It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? If you're not behind Mark Davis after this, and you don't think that Mark Davis has the mind to go all in, now you have to look at the situation differently and what he's doing for you as a fan base to give you hope to win. JT the Brick. That's his job. He's the owner of the team. He's got to have an opportunity to win championships. Mark's told me a hundred times in private settings what a Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in. Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now, here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by our great friends at M Resort. Spawn Casino, where we'll be hosting... Pre- and post-games when the Raiders are on the road. They have the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Great restaurants, great gaming, the pool, and all the concerts that they have there. Great job the M is doing is getting a bunch of great names and headline artists out to play concerts there. So if you know it, you should already. The official team hotel of the Silver and Black is a proud partner of our show. That is M Resort Spa and Casino. We'll talk to Harry Ruiz coming up here in a few minutes, the Latino voice of the Raiders. Was sitting with him yesterday as he called the touchdown. Uh, that was exciting to be with him up there. Uh, Josh McDaniels clearly very excited about being at Allegiant Stadium for that pregame. I, excuse me, for the uh, preseason game. Listen to what he said about that experience. All the games he's coached in his life, now coaching at Allegiant. This was a special day too. You know, I I don't I've I've been a, around a lot of preseason games over 22 years, and I don't remember one feeling like this. Um, I would just say that the reception from our fans, um, getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, uh, it's just different. Um, you know, I've competed against them a handful of times in, in my time in the NFL, but now to kind of be on the same side, uh, you understand why it is what it is. And uh, I'm lucky and blessed to be the head coach here. Um, that is that is the the best um, atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of, uh, and that's easy to say that clearly. Um, so I can't wait to play another time in here and then get to the regular season and have the opportunity to do it for real in the, in the regular games. But um, you know what a just what a great passionate fan base they have, and um, you know to have the girls here and my son on the sideline, um, you know, it's a special day. Man, that's high praise. He's coached a lot of games, a lot of games. He's just talking preseason. Wait till he sees the home opener against Arizona, which is a massive game. The Raiders are going to come into that game either 1-0, hopefully with a great win on the road, or 0-1 in what will feel like a must-win situation against Arizona, right? So that's a massive game, the first game of the year, against a team I think the Raiders should beat, but they were the quickest team to 10 wins last year, so Arizona is no joke. They don't have Chandler Jones. The Raiders do. But the rest of that team in that secondary, that's going to be a good test. And Kyler Murray, you don't know what you're going to get. You might get a 300-yard passing game, or you might get 240 where he runs for 70 and two touchdowns. Big test coming up there. One more for Josh McDaniels on where was Darren Waller, who clearly wasn't capable of playing in the game. His girlfriend was playing for the Aces as they secured the one seed. He was asked about that postgame. I think he was there before our game started. Which is, I understand that. You know, he wasn't going to play today, so uh, I don't want to make more of that than it was. Yep, he didn't make more of it. We won't make more of it, but a lot of people are talking about it and wondering when Waller will come back. We'll see what practice looks like for him. We'll see what his status looks like and the road trip to Miami, which is a big trip. Fabian in the Bay Area. Thanks for waiting over the top. Go ahead. Thank you. Hey, JT. Just driving through uh, Morgan Hill on the way home. 
Thank you. Thanks for checking in. Appreciate you. Hey, um, the concern I have, like, it, it's nice to see Turner mm-hmm. showing up yesterday, but we need we need the consistency out of him, out of him and their and his mm-hmm. fellow, uh, you know, twos and threes. They they got to step up. My concern is that uh, you already said the O line will DC have the time to throw, and then you know what's going on with our DBs? Are we going to have you know, we've got a lot of people that aren't playing that are resting up. Mm. So, you know, you want to have optimism, but there, there's a, they're concerned about uh, whether who's mm. going to be there. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned, too. I'm not concerned about the starters who aren't playing. I'm concerned about the starters who aren't practicing. That's got to be my yeah. concern and your concern here. What are we doing on the radio if we don't at least assess the players who are not practicing but they're getting work? with the trainers and they're getting work with the coaches and they're at the film sessions and everybody seems to be pretty comfortable that they're coming along okay. We'll find out. We'll find out when we know it, but it's hard to figure out what's going to happen with players like Trayvon Mullen, Darren Waller, what we're going to see with a couple other players that I'm projecting to have big impacts on this team, especially Rakia Sin. I want to see him practice. I want to see him play. Maybe we don't see him playing games because he hasn't played a lot in the preseason or practiced with the first team. But we should have an answer on that pretty shortly here. Yeah, that's, that's like I said, you, uh, I want to I be optimistic. I want to, you know, have mm. the, but, you know, we got to see them out there on the field. Now, you get to see them at prime. You know, we got to wait till September, and that's the sad part. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate the call due to the time of my show and my other show. You know, the times I get to go to practice a couple times a week here, you only see so much. You're only supposed to see so much in the media sessions there. And then we get a feel for it because the insiders that we're going to use on this show, Vic Tafer, Paul Gutierrez, Harry Ruiz, you know, everybody, Bill Williamson, uh, Kevin Bollinger, Vin Sapienza, the guys and gals that I count on to come on the show are the eyes and ears who are at practice more, especially the ones covering the beat who do a really good job, Paul, Vic. You look at these guys, they do this for a living. This is their job to tell us who's going to be there at every practice and what they're doing. And, you know, I I, I read those guys every day. I I read The Athletic every day. The Review Journal gets delivered to my house. Yes, I have a newspaper delivered to my driveway every day. I read all of this. And from the people that I know inside the building, uh, there's a new team on the football side. You know, so I can't text a coach like I used to in the past. Not yet. I know just a few of them, just getting to meet them. But you can see everything in practice every day, and it's starting to get to the point where this will be addressed after the Miami game. I believe the two most important days of the entire preseason are the practices against the New England Patriots. Those two are going to be everything. We'll know everything about that because that's going to be physical, hard. McDaniels versus Belichick, they know each other well. Those drills are going to be insane. That's going to be special to see. Today is Harry Ruiz's birthday, the Latino voice of the silver and black who did a great job on the call. Even though I know a little Spanish, I sat behind him in the game. Happy birthday, Harry. How are you? Muchas gracias, JT. JT. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, doing good. About to head over to work right now with the Review Journal and Espanol crew. But first, I had to chime in here with you. Always, whenever you call, I answer. How was dinner with Gorilla Rilla and some of the others yesterday? Oh, it was fantastic. We had some barbecue, and uh, that's the best I can ask for, have, being able to enjoy time with friends and family and Raider Nation. It's family. So Are you barbecue with 
Are you barbecue with beans or slaw? What, what's not, what, what's your side go to side with the barbecue? I'm not a slaw guy, so I'm a beans guy. <laughs> beans is my side dish for the barbecue. All right, take me through okay, the game, JT. I felt bad because I ate like crazy at the stadium, and then I went and had a full rack over there at the barbecue place, and I was full. Fortunately, the scale was nice to me this morning. Did you see the spread they put in the press box? I mean, they had some type of fish from Minneapolis for the Minnesota media there. I forget what it was, a halibut or some type of Minnesota white fish. And then, man, I don't do desserts. I do all my damage on meat and potatoes, man. But they had a dessert bar there and all that there. You got to be careful, Harry. I know, I know you're hungry in between periods going through that press box. They serve it up good there. Hey, last football season, I gained a lot of weight. So now I'm just hitting the gym every day during the week, and uh, that's my cheat day when the, when the Raiders are playing at home. Harry Ruiz joins us on his birthday. Tell us about having to look down at that offensive line with your binoculars and the monitor there and seeing all the different substitution patterns there. How difficult is that when you're calling a game? Oh, it's very complicated, but you got to make the most out of it and be able to tell the stories of guys like Thayer Mumford being a rookie out there running with the ones to start off the game, Lester Cotton, who has been cut by the team four times and rehired five times and trying to get his spot with this team, Andre James seeing action after he was a starter last year, Dylan Parham being versatile, being both at center at the guard positions. It's, it's a challenge, but that's what this is for, and especially the preseason. I mean, I'm very fortunate that we were at the stadium. We're in a different booth this year, but at the end of the day, I'm just happy to be inside the stadium and being able to do all that because the road games, we're calling them off of monitors, and mm-hmm. at times the road broadcasts, they're more focused on doing interviews of players and having something else on the camera. In the meantime, I'm trying to figure out who's on the offensive line to tell that storyline uh, during the game. Yeah, it's interesting to me because the offensive line's been a big topic today. Harry Ruiz, Latino voice of the Raiders. So what you see, there's, still, there's nine sacks in two games. But they're moving guys around a lot. If you're moving people around that much, there's going to obviously be a breakdown from time to time. And some people think Stidham held the ball too long on a couple of those sacks. What's your analysis? In my opinion, if it hadn't been for Stidham and being elusive and moving forward and moving to the side and even in that touchdown play, getting into the end zone on third and goal, if it hadn't been for him, there would have been more sacks in the first half of the game while he was on the field. So he helped that offensive line at times. The offensive line, they're still finding their place on the field. And you go back to the 2021 season, and the offensive line didn't get comfortable because they weren't a unit until probably week 10, week 11, when they had been on the field together for three months. So Mm. it's good that right now they're getting that momentum. They're getting better. And I told my broadcast partner at the end of the game, I was like, what do you want me to tell you, glass half full or glass half empty? He was all right, do both. I was like, all right, glass half full, there was less sacks than in the first preseason game. Glass half empty, four is still a lot of sacks. So Let's see if these guys can keep progressing. The one thing I can say, JT, in my opinion, the free agents in the Mm. offensive line market, they're just being like, all right, we'll keep waiting. But from what we're seeing, we might get a call soon. Harry Ruiz joins us. So at the wide receiver in depth for cutdowns, we know Devontae's a lock. Mac Hollins, I think, is a lock. Uh, Demarcus Robinson should be a lock with Renfro. That's four right there. And then you look at how many receivers they want to – carry there we saw dj turner and his performance in that game i thought very impressive he showed the burst that we definitely need to see at that position there so what does it come down to harry they want to hold on they want a bunch of running backs and a plus a fullback 
and so much depth at the wide receiver position. I don't know if you need a lot of depth when you have Renfro, Waller, who I consider a receiver, even more so than a tight end, and Devontae. How do you think this pans out? Yeah, and Tyron Johnson, he has been a standout in practices, but we haven't seen that in the games. But it's a completely different monster when you're talking about preseason games because of all the movement that happens on the field. Keelan Cole, I've Mm -hmm. liked what I've seen from him on the field. And Demarcus Robinson, fortunately, we were able to see that play on third and over 20 for him to put the Raiders just one yard away from the first down marker. Mm -hmm. So that was big, him being able to have safe hands. That's interesting. And DJ Turner, he showed, he proved what he can do on the field. Now can he do it consistently? Now can he go against the starting cornerbacks of the Raiders in practice and do that? Unfortunately, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities because the cornerback room has been banged up for the silver and black. But these are the kind of opportunities that you want. Being on the field, put on tape what you can do. He had four targets, three catches, 58 yards, and, of course, that touchdown where he made the catch and then the burst of speed in the red zone got him in the into the end zone for the touchdown and sent Allegiant Stadium to a big celebration. Yeah, Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up, before he gets to his other job, you mentioned the guys who are banged up in the secondary. Rocky Yassin, we haven't seen him. Anthony Averett, when you look at the players who are out there, uh, this is fascinating to me because the schedule. I think you want to get guys to play in the Miami game. But with the heat and the humidity, and it could be pouring, it could be a hurricane. No one knows. I haven't looked yet. So you want to get guys in and out of those games there, but you only have so much depth at the cornerback position. And if you're going to play a starter, this is the game to do it because going up against New England with the two practices and then the final preseason game, after those two practices, you want to shut down the starters, I would assume, in that New England game. So I think Miami is going to be a really important game for some starters in the secondary to play because it might be the only chance they have. Absolutely. And add to that equation, guys, like Bilal Nichols and Jonathan Hankins who are on the pup list and who haven't been out at practice and that the Raiders, they need them bad. You look at that second quarter, JT, and I was super worried with that run defense just letting the Vikings do whatever the heck they wanted. They ran for 73 yards in the second quarter, and I was like, okay, we need to get this together because the run defense, they need to be – a good protective unit in that area, and they weren't. But then you look and you're like, okay, these aren't the starting guys that the team hired, but they're injured. So you need to get them back into action and being having them available for what September 11th. We're less than a month away, JT. We're going to blink three times, and the regular season opener is going to be here on September 11th, and then a month and three days away, the home opener. So we got to keep that in mind, but these guys – you don't want to throw them out there if they're not 100%, but we're super close to being like, all right, fellas, come on, let's get it together. Let's get this team back on track and ready to kick off the season. But, yeah, this cornerback room, I was happy to see Amik Robertson out there in action yesterday. He wasn't able to play in the first regular season game against the Jags. Roger Teamer, he's a guy I like a lot when he's out there on the field, physical, very active. Jonathan Abram. He was very important in that game, too. He was putting pressure. You see that he's comfortable when he's close to that uh, line of scrimmage. Now we got to get him comfortable, too, when he's playing deep. All right, last one, the overall atmosphere of the game. People are talking about the field wasn't in pristine conditions. You had a lot of performances there. Josh McDaniels loved it, didn't like it, loved it first time. There's a head coach there overall. You like to tailgate like I do. You come in, you walk around after the game. What do you think overall for a Legion first preseason game? 
for it being a preseason game, it was fantastic, JT. And I, I was talking with Bobby um, Friday when I filled in for in your show, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is the perfect opportunity for fans who usually can't afford to pay yeah. the high prices during the regular season to go and get into the stadium probably cheaper than they would have paid for a tour and being able to enjoy a football game. It might not be the 53 guys you're going to be watching in the regular season, but it's 53 guys putting their all that are performing on the field because it's like college football. you got to prove yourself to earn a spot. So these guys, they were doing their best to earn their spot, and it was an entertaining game from beginning to end. So it was a great environment, and it's hopefully one where fans that hadn't gone to a Raiders game out here in Las Vegas, locals that went and enjoyed their time at the tailgate, enjoyed their time at the game, and being like, you know what? Maybe we switch our team, just like the Golden Knights did with a lot of fans that used to live in Vegas in the past, and that they started going to games and they enjoyed their, themselves, and then being yeah. like, all right, let's switch our allegiances, or at least add the Raiders to your allegiances. Thank you, Harry. Enjoy your birthday. Always appreciate everything you do for me. Thank you so much. Of course, JT. Thank you so much, my brother. You got it. Harry Ruiz. Send him a birthday tweet today. It's his birthday. I think Gene Upshaw's birthday, too, as I saw out there today. So thanks to Harry on the call, and uh, he's really getting groomed to be really good as a play-by-play voice. Fantastic. And now his new gig over at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. So appreciate him coming on there. You know, the atmosphere of the game day experience, Harry made a good point at the end. A lot of Raider fans that I know are not going to switch allegiance. You know, the guys who used to bust my balls when I came here, you know, 24 years ago, were not born and raised a Raider fan. Well, I think I put my dues in here. And the Raiders are in Vegas now. Point clear on that. I don't have to have that debate anymore. But for my friends who are Bronco fans and fans of other teams who have season tickets, I'm not the same guy I was 24 years ago. I'm not screaming at a guy who I know is a Cowboy fan that goes to a game. I know a Kansas City buddy of mine is a Chief fan. And then he comes to the games and, you know, he's a Raider season ticket holder. So when they're not playing the Chiefs, he's there for the Raider games, rooting for the Raiders. You know, the perfect fan, I'm a fanatic. I'm an over-the-top sports fan. I've dedicated my life, not to radio. Not radio, what are you talking about? I've dedicated my life to sports and being a sports fan, and that's from my dad, and that's from my family. That means more to me, my teams, than anything else. But this is a unique market now. You know, the Raiders do big global business in Vegas. They did nice business in Oakland. They didn't do global business in Oakland. There wasn't a place after a game to go get a steak or to do this or go to a concert. Do you know that Bruno Mars played at one of my favorite spots, the barbershop? Bruno Mars, Silk Sonics, went and played a bar, which I frequent a lot right afterwards. Again, I love Oakland. Nothing against Oakland. Bruno Mars wasn't going to go from a Raider game and roll into the Hilton and play an unannounced set. This is Vegas. So fans are going to come here with season tickets or get tickets to games and then eventually evolve into being a fan of the team. Are they going to be as diehard as the black hole? No. And not everybody can be. So if you look at Vegas, you have to look at it differently. See, for me, it was really easy with the Golden Knights because they were an inaugural expansion team. So it was easy to cut the cord if you were a Shark fan. If you were a fan of the Avalanche, a Red Wing fan, it's hard to do. A lot of the Red Wing fans don't quit on their team. But to go to the Golden Knights when they were brand new and they never had a fan base was easy for me to do as a diehard Islander fan growing up. Here, it's different. People are coming and they're not diehard fans like you are. They're not. They're coming to get cocktails, to go into that Winfield Club, to go sit in their club seats, to go to the torch, to see the music. They're not as diehard as you are. That's why we need you to be at your best. 
That's why you have to hold on to your tickets and not sell them to the opposing fans. It should be easy for you to sell your tickets if you don't want to gouge anybody to a Raider fan. It should be easy for you to give your tickets at cost to a Raider fan and put someone in the seats who are sitting there with silver and black on. My wife was moving my son into college at ASU over the weekend, so she wasn't at the game. So I took my two tickets. I offered them up to a bunch of friends, and then finally, boom, a buddy of mine couldn't go, and he gave it to his neighbor, and they are Raider fans, and they appreciated it. I said, no problem, man. Seats aren't going to sit empty. I'm not going to sell them to some fan I've never heard of. I'm not going to have people in my section where I sit with my wife going, who'd JT give his tickets to there? They're wearing a Niner jersey. Never. That'll never happen. So set the bar at that level. Go to the game. Be entertained. And if you're not going to go and you want to make some money, there should be plenty, plenty of Raider fans who want your tickets as long as you don't gouge them. So as long as you're not asking for like 2000 a seat, if it's reasonable and it's your cost, I think people will go out there and buy your tickets from you. You know, last year was tough at a couple of the games. The Bears fans, the Washington Commanders fans, the Eagles fans, Fortunately, the Eagles fans shut up because the Raiders scored 30, uh, uh, 30 points, uncontested points. And you didn't hear the Eagle fans, and you could have heard them. The game that concerns me the most this year is the Niner game. Because Niner fans in Silicon Valley, Niner fans have all those Super Bowls. They have a deep, deep history. They have an unbelievable rivalry with the Raiders, the Battle of the Bay. They will take your tickets and buy them from you if you give them to them. So it will be the fault of the season ticket holder of the Raider, Raiders if you see a sea of, of Niner fans there. And depends on how important that game is for both franchises. It could be a make-or-break game for both teams. It could be the must-win game that we saw last year as the Raiders had to beat the Chargers. Another reminder that the Chargers didn't make the playoffs last year. NFL Network, ESPN, Fox Sports 1. Another reminder that the Chargers did not make the playoffs last year. They lost in Las Vegas. And the Niner fans, I think the Niner fans are going to be, I want to talk about the Niners coming up here a little bit. The Niners are going to be make or break coming into that Raider game on New Year's Day. Trey Lance is either going to be an MVP candidate and play great. And we've seen young quarterbacks play great, haven't we? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. We've seen young players come in this league and dominate. Well, if he dominates, the Niners are going to be in the playoffs. If he doesn't dominate and he has growing pains, which I suggest he will, then the Niners could be coming into that last game in a must-win situation. Same for the Patriots. NFL screwed us. Screwed us, giving us that as our only national game this year. How dare they do that to us? Who do you hear talking about that on the broadcast more than me? How dare the NFL give the Raiders one national primetime game and make it the Patriot game? So what's going to happen in that game? Make or break for the Raiders. They could be on the verge of making the playoffs or not. And New England could be gone from the playoffs by then if Mac Jones is playing as poorly as many are suggesting in New England. Not playing well. And that team doesn't have the players that they used to have. But that could be a make or break game, and that could be on national TV. And if both teams are in trouble, they could flex out of that game, which I doubt they will. So the Raiders have to take advantage of the schedule when they have it. And there's only a few opportunities to do it. Jacksonville's going to be better. I think much better. The Raiders play on the road. Houston's coming in. Raiders should slaughter them. And then the rest of the schedule is tough. I'm assuming they're going to beat Denver at home. They got to beat the Chargers at home. I think Kansas City in a split this year is more likely than ever as Kansas City has dominated the rivalry. 
And then the rest of the games out there, it's tough to predict. I think the Raiders will be prepared to win all those games. But if it comes down to an overtime kick, I can't guarantee you the win or not. So the Raiders got to put teams away, win the games they're supposed to, protect home field advantage, and get a couple on the road that they're not expected to win. Because Las Vegas and the bookmakers have the Raiders as underdogs in many games this year. So that means the Raiders are going to have to get upset wins. Not wins, upset wins. And it's going to take a healthy team with players playing at their best. Uh, Coming up, Howard Balzer, the Hall of Fame voter, on all the news at the quarterback position, some of the injuries. Who's playing and who's not playing in the preseason? And then we'll go through what I think is an exciting time. Uh, Since I last talked to you, Fernando Tatis, 80 games he's out. Man, did he screw over the Padres. Did he really screw over the Padres? That is brutal. JT, good to be back to recap the game every Monday coming up the game on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. So third and goal from the Raiders, too. Mannion out of the gun, left hash. Snap. Looks right. Fires to the back corner of the end zone. It's incomplete. Nowhere to go with that football. Smith-Marset blanketed by Teamer and Darius Phillips. That's Jason Horowitz on the call. Jason will be slotted in our Tuesday slot as an insider, along with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. We're excited about that. Uh, JT, as we continue on here, a big week of radio here getting ready for Miami. I just opened up my email and we got some notes from the Miami Dolphins PR department here. Uh, This is going to be a fun game because Tua, as we've said, has been the most talked about quarterback, the most hyped quarterback of the preseason. Him or Trey Lance with the 49ers have been talked about, I believe, the most. That doesn't mean they're the best. I'm not saying that at all. They're just getting the most hype. Every time Tua completes a pass at practice, it's a standing ovation, and they lead with it on Fox. Fox Sports 1, or they lead with it on ESPN. It's like the guy's never played before. Every time he throws a ball and it's completed to Tyreek Hill or someone on the outside, they go crazy. They go absolutely crazy. So that'll be fun. I hope Tua plays a half in that game. Tua's another quarterback that needs to play. Just like Mitchell Trubisky, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, and look at the quarterback competition with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. They're not bubble wrapping those guys because if one of them gets hurt, God forbid, the other guy can play and he's just as good. So with Tua, you know, Tua, if he plays a little bit in the preseason, gets in a rhythm, that can only help him in a division with Buffalo. And if they want to sit Tua out and he doesn't get those reps that he needs, I think that's a mistake. So I don't know what's going to happen in this upcoming game. I would assume that Tua will start and play at least a quarter. We'll have Orlando Gary inside it for the Dolphins on later this week. And we'll get into the preview of that game. If it was a regular season game, man, I'd be diving into it tomorrow. But it's a preseason game, so we get one guest or two on, and we talk about it there. We played a lot of sound from Josh McDaniels so far today. He seemed to be in a really good space with that game. Really did. He had a great time with his daughters and his son and his wife on the sideline. The team won, and he was absolutely blown away, it sounds like, with the performance of Allegiant Stadium and what it looked like there. I want to play this soundbite for Josh. We did play it already, but again, for the Waller issue, I'm looking at my Twitter feed and people who are hitting me up directly on Waller who want to stir the pot with him being at the Aces game. 
If you want to stir the pot, this is not the show to do it. Now, if Waller doesn't play the next game against Miami and he doesn't practice against New England, very important point. If Darren Waller is not practicing against Belichick in New England when they come to town in those practice sessions, then we'll open up the phones on Darren Waller. But out of respect to Darren, one of the better players in the league, who's on the top 100 list, we'll see what's happening next. As he comes through this and he's ready to play, everybody knows the elephant in the room is a contract and a future contract for him. He's under contract. I don't talk about the money of other players, but a lot of people are. And I understand what Raider fans want to do. But Raider fans know this isn't a gossip show. This is a show of record here. We talk about what we know and the information that we get behind the scenes from the coaching staff and everything. And when we get it, we give it to you. And we, and we tell you about it, and we have the guests on to talk about it. And if those guests have something really important to say on these issues, we're able to do that. All right, he's ready to go. Howard Balzer, uh, the great NFL insider, does everything. Hall of Fame radio on Sirius XM. He's now covering the Cardinals, which I'm looking forward to seeing him when the Cardinals play. Here, that is our home opener. And he lives in Arizona now, and we go back, to, we go back a long way, Howard. I got to begin with, my wife was in the monsoons as she took my son out to Tempe and drove through Phoenix. She said it was incredible. We're having a little bit of it here. How are you dealing now with the monsoons there out in Arizona? Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty wild when you see them coming in, but it's, it's interesting how localized they are. They, yes. they, only, they only hit in certain spots, so it hasn't been too bad uh, where I am, and so... It's it's pretty wild though when you can see it in the when you can see it in the distance and it starts blowing. It's uh, pretty unique, certainly. I read your column and I really liked it. Preseason games might not count, but they matter. And this goes on a national level to all teams out there. And you've been covering the league for such a long time and have friends who are coaches and former players that wanted to play, don't want to play, want to be bubble wrapped, and some like Patrick Mahomes want to go out there for a series. What's changed? What's evolved recently? Well, I, I think it's just the, the reality of it. And, of course, you have th- only three games. And I think coaches, you know, they just feel more comfortable f- figuring, hey, we don't want to put guys at risk. Uh, these guys are making, obviously, a lot of money. And it's, you know, if somebody gets hurt, it's counting against your salary cap. And so, like you said, they're putting bubble wrap. I mean, you look at all these teams that had, you know, 30 players, you know, not playing in the game. And, and in a lot of these games, and most of them, you know, we're, we're potential starters. So I, and I think JT, it's this too, is that when everybody's doing it, pretty much everybody's on an equal plane. And so Mm -hmm. you don't feel that you're falling behind because some other team is playing their starters and all those things. And the work you get done the off season, the work you get done in training camp and all those things gets, you know, teams pretty confident that we'll be okay. We just don't have to go out there and and give, and especially with only three games, give as much opportunity as possible for the guys on the bubble, uh, the younger guys, to show what they can do. Even though they're not, you know, they're, they're not games that count, but it's still another way for coaches to evaluate uh, the younger players that they have on their roster. Howard Balls is our guest. I'll give you a good example of what we're dealing out here with Las Vegas is Devontae Adams, Renfro, Carr. They don't have to play. Waller, it, it's an explosive offense on paper. But the offensive line is playing because it's average at best, and everybody's getting a chance to try to play swing tackle or guard or move over to center because you've got to find the seven or eight guys that you can go to war with during the regular season. So if important players are playing on the offensive line but they're not pro bowlers and stars and they're playing with backups, 
it's I don't know how you can really accomplish all your goals here other than just getting through the games. Well, that's that's a good point, and especially with offensive lines that have to play together and get that continuity and right. chemistry uh, between themselves. And so, you know, if you have teams that are bringing back most of their guys, then they're able to sit uh, some of those offensive linemen. If it's a team that has a bunch of new faces and younger guys on that line, then in a lot of cases it's, it's good to play them because they need that. That, that that's one group that needs that contact, uh, that needs hitting in pads. So when the regular season begins, it's not as big and a big of an adjustment. Howard, it's really unfortunate what's going on with the Jets because Zach Wilson hurts himself and. He's just cutting, so hopefully it's just a slight meniscus tear and he can get it scoped and come back here. But Mackay backed in and the anchor on the offensive line, a high draft pick who was supposed to be a star in this league. It just goes to show you if you're Robert Sala or it could be Matt Rule in Carolina, if you don't have the players and it's going on the second year and then the third year and you're non-competitive or not making the playoffs, this is why so many coaches get fired and injuries to the Jets right now. It's the one thing they can't afford. No, you're 100 percent right, and it's you know it's like the old line about uh, you know the plans of mice and men often don't work out. And as a coach, you're going through the off season and you're feeling good, and your players are healthy, and everything's looking. But then you're just crossing your fingers that you're not going to get some of those major injuries that can just you know totally change the team. And then part of it too, JT, is that when the injuries happen, then it's, it's almost like taboo to talk about that as a reason because then the critics will say, ah, you're just making excuses. Well, they're not excuses. When you have certain players you're counting on and then all of a sudden they're not, they're not able to play and they're key players, that's going to affect the team no matter how good you are. I mean, look at the Buccaneers. I mean, you know, they go into this training camp missing two starters from the offensive line from last year that uh, one retired – uh, one left in free agency, and now they've lost two centers in the first two and a half weeks of training camp. And so, uh, you know, no one's no one's explaining why Tom Brady is not in training camp, and they're saying, "Oh, this was all planned." Well, I'm I'm, I'm sure to a certain degree, he's going, "Oh my goodness, what's this going to be like?" You know, playing behind this this makeshift offensive line potentially. So that could really have a big effect on the Buccaneers. Hall of Fame voter Howard Balzer is our guest. You know, Mike McCarthy is going to get a lot of heat, as you know, just because the media is so big in Dallas. 17 penalties for 129 yards. I mean, Jerry Jones can't defend that, and he's been defending it because when Jerry makes a decision, he's loyal, and he's going to back his coach. And we all know that Sean Payton's out there, and he's probably the perfect choice for the next coach there. But I wonder what Jerry's going to say this week. Do you expect the the temperature to go up a little bit hotter around Cowboys camp with the head coach? It could. It could. You know, a lot of of times is, well, again, who's in the game? And who's committing the penalties and, and what were those penalties? Obviously, it's never a good look when you have 17 of them. And was that a product of the officials or, you know, who knows? But obviously, it can't be a pattern. And that's the thing. So sometimes something like that can be a good thing because the coach will read the riot act and all of a sudden guys are going to get a lot more focused, you would think. But that's just pretty incredible to have that many assessed penalties in a, in a preseason game, even if it is only the first one. And Howard, as we wrap this up, you're covering the Cardinals, but you know the sport with you know, all the platforms that you're on here. Kyler Murray is going to be competing against Stafford, and he's got the issue with his elbow. 
Trey Lance looked really good. I mean, really good, and it's preseason, and he's not going up against the opposing starters, but I loved his mobility in the pocket, his ability to run, and just like we knew, he's got a cannon for an arm if he can throw receivers open. It was a better performance than you thought for him? Yeah, I think it was a, a, a good start uh, for him, and obviously mm-hmm. they've entrusted him with this position. You know, the key, you mentioned the mobility and the running. Uh, the key will be uh, staying healthy. Uh, because that can be an issue. And, you know, last year when he played a couple games and he was running and he got hurt. And you mentioned Kyler Murray, a big part of what happened with the Cardinals the last two seasons at the end of the year, everyone points to Cliff Kingsbury because it's easy to blame the coach. But Kyler Murray was playing injured at the end of both of the last two seasons. And so when you have a guy that runs like that, and then even if they're able to play JT when they're hurt, because it's not a major injury, a lot of times it will affect you and how you play, especially when you're running, because if it's a shoulder like Murray two years ago or an ankle like he came back from last year, then it's going to affect that part of your game. And when that part of, the, of your game is so important, if that gets compromised, then you can definitely have some issues. Howard, I'd love to ask you this one on the way out. What was your best memory from Canton this time around from the speeches to everything that was happening here, considering it was a class that had a couple individuals who are no longer with us, but Dick Vermeil, who you've known for a long time. I was real tight with Cliff Branch. Baselli represents the Jaguars, which was huge there. And then the Bryant Young speech was one of the best yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, I was, was going to mention that, the tribute to uh, the son he lost. And like you said, there's so many of those great moments. But to me, the interest. With, with Dick Vermeil, I have to tell this quick story. So mm-hmm. on Friday, the day before Thursday, I'm interviewing him on Sirius. And I said, what was the hardest thing you ever had to prepare for? Your a speech, this speech or a game? And he laughed and he said, are you kidding me? Eight and a half minutes? I can't thank all the people that I've come in contact with over all these years. That's crazy to only have eight and a half minutes. And I said, well, hey, you'll be the last one. It'll probably, they'll probably be making good time. You can go a little over. And he said, Howard, he said, I always do what I'm told. Well, I am told, JT, that they were making such great time. It was only a little after two hours that someone from the Hall of Fame approached him before he made a speech. And he said, Dick, don't worry about the time limit. Just take as long as you want. And it was 23 wow. minutes of, of classic Dick Vermeil, And it didn't it seem that long, but it was like he had to go off script because he wasn't prepared for it. And he's just picking people out in the audience that he's seeing. He's looking, he says, and he's going, you know, Jay Zingman, you stand up. And na- naming players and coaches, stand up, stand up. I, I thought that was just a classic. And a lot of people don't realize that he was told it was okay to go long. And it was a fitting way, I think, to end that ceremony. It was a good speech for a great man who's had an unbelievable career. Howard, always a pleasure. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure, JT. Take care. Appreciate you. Howard Balzer, really good insider. We'll have him on every month during the season, but I have him logged in, and he'll be our guide during the Arizona game, which is the home opener for the Raiders that's coming up. So today we spent most of the show recapping the win against the Minnesota Vikings. Nothing dramatic, not a great game, not a bad game, pretty much an average preseason game, but the Raiders uh, taking control of, I think, the line of scrimmage with the offensive line at times that has a couple of leaks when it comes to some of the sacks we've seen, but run blocking well. Raiders are running the ball in the preseason, and they got to have that threat of running the ball hard in the regular season, especially against the Chargers in week one. You want Derek to be able to attack off a of play action. you got to run the ball at Khalil Mack and run it at Bosa. I can promise you what they need to do with Bosa is wear him out. 
They got to wear him out for the fourth quarter. Khalil, it's hard to do with him. I know he's a little bit older, and I don't think he's lost a step, but maybe he's lost a quarter of a step. Khalil Mack, I think, is a better football player than Joey Bosa. In regards to Khalil, I think could get out of the pass and stop the run a little bit better. Bosa's just a pure assassin coming off the edge. And the Raiders are going to want to run the ball on third and two, third and three. Get a first down instead of put the ball in the air. Depending on what Waller and Devontae's doing, if they can spread them out. I just want to see Waller wide and Devontae wide. That means the safeties have to go and double them. Or at least keep an eye on that side of the field. It'll open up the middle of the field for a short third down for Hunter Renfro. Where Hunter can get into those routes so quickly that Derek can just pop a ball to him on a two-step drop. Not even a three-step drop. Just a two-step drop. Boom. Right to Hunter for a first down. They'll keep Justin Herbert on the sidelines. They'll keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines. Which is going to be important. Man, the early part of that first quarter in ball control was nice to see. Josh McDaniels calling the plays. The offensive line run blocking. Stidham making a pass or two there. Really nice control to open up the game. What will be the game plan against Miami? We don't know, but we'll find out this week, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, Legendary basketball coach Pete Carrill passed away today at the age of 92. I wanted to make sure we brought that up. He brought the notoriety to the Pistons offense during his 30 years with the Tigers. He died today at the age of 92 years old. Remember, he was famous for draining the clock on offense and the backdoor cuts and the precision passing and the Ivy League titles. And how about that? The memorable March nights in their 11 NCAA tournament berths under Kirill and had the zone and the ability to slow down the pace of the game and the backdoor cuts. UNLV fans out here should remember that. Pete Kirill, rest in peace. He beat Georgetown, which at the time they said they were a billion to one to win the whole tournament, beat Georgetown. He said we were only 450 million to one. Uh, ESPN analyst Dick Vitell was a really good friend with Pete Carrill. In a studio segment in Bristol leading up to the game, Vitell made a promise. I'll tell you what, I'm supposed to go home for the weekend. If Princeton can beat Georgetown, I'm going to hitchhike to Providence, which isn't that far from here. I'll be the ball boy for the next game, and then I'm going to change into a Princeton cheerleading uniform and lead all the cheers. Great moment in ESPN history. Rest in peace to Pete Carrill, a legend in the game of basketball, college and on the bench in the NBA. We'll come back and wrap it up on the other side. Q's got a big show lined up. I just saw his rundown. So Q will come up next. And he's got a new member of our team here, which I like about that. That's what's good about this teamwork that we have here on the flagship. He'll have Amber Theo Harris, who's the newest member of Silver and Black Productions. She's a teammate of mine on Sirius XM and all the work she's done on NFL Network. She's going to be on with Q coming up later today. Chopped over the mound, charged by Arroyo, bare hands and throws him out. And the Red Sox win three to nothing. God, my Yankees are killing me. They are killing me. I can't buy a hit or buy a run. JT, back with you. We're brought to you by Resorts World. Tiafimo Lopez in that great performance, his junior welterweight debut, a seventh-round stoppage over at Resorts World. How cool is that? 
Resorts World, with everything they have now, hosting boxing, incredible. They'll also be the host for the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. Coming up there, Lopez was dominant from the onset of the contest. He boxed. He had some big power punches, solid power punches, fifth and sixth round especially, and he landed more and more. The breakdown of the Mexican Warrior, fantastic. Congratulations to Resorts World, our proud partner. Boxing on top of the restaurants, on top of Zook, on everything they do at 8 Cigar Lounge, go up to the 66th. Everything that they're doing is incredible at Resorts World. Proud partner of our show. Man, love to see them getting involved with boxing because the venue is absolutely perfect. Raider Dave in Denver, we got you right. How are you, Dave? Thanks for waiting. Absolutely. Hey, I wanted to let you know that um, obviously having an extra game really helps, but just comparing Mm -hmm. how sharp the coaching staff has this team ready in the Hall of Fame game versus what I witnessed from the sidelines working in radio for the Bronco-Cowboy game, Wow, what a difference. I am so happy that this coaching staff is here because, or is, is in Vegas because the sharpness and the intensity that uh, the Raiders are showing in the first and the second uh, preseason game is just miles ahead of one of their AFC West foes and a, you know, a, an iconic franchise like the Cowboys. I couldn't believe how sloppy and how many penalties I saw Seventeen uh, Saturday. Yeah, 17 for the Cowboys. That got Jerry Jones all worked up, and Mike McCarthy was already on the hot seat. As you know, everybody's talking about Sean Payton coming in sooner or later. It's 17 preseason penalties, a lot of it with backups, but that's still an enormous number. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, just shout-out big time to uh, DJ, man. He balled out. Hopefully he can get more uh, punt returns because I think that's where he may make the team. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Raider Dave in Denver. Thank you very much. Thanks to everybody who put the show together. Harry Ruiz came in on his birthday. It's Bobby's granddaughter's birthday. Happy fifth for her. And the excitement of uh, hosting a show after a game. Did the post game last night solo for most of them as Eric Allen goes right to TV. But it was fun to take some calls. Everybody's loose and quiet and kind of happy. No one's freaking out about what could be happening there on a post game show in the preseason. As I was live from the Modelo Cantina Club, where you'll find me for the post game show. Hope everybody has a great rest of the day. Q's on. He's got a big show and a big lineup lined up. I'm on every night this week, 6 to 9 p.m. on Sirius XM Mad Dog. That's 10 radio shows this week. And two are down, eight more to go. It's going to be fun. Raider practice, some Raider guests this week. And I hope you love what's happening with the buildup of the 2-0 Raiders on the flagship station, Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Have a great rest of your day.